This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Wizarding World Lorecast, where we're going to take a deep dive into the world and lore of the Harry Potter universe, such as the creatures, the people, and yes, even the magic. Welcome everyone to another episode of the Wizarding World Lorecast. I am one of your hosts, Ben of Tamaria, alongside my co-host, Courier. Uh, Courier, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Good. And then guesting with us today is none other than Captain Shanko. Hey guys, it's good to be back. (laughs) So, before we jump into our topic today, I have to get this off my chest. Who is super pumped? Because today... If anybody like noticed today, the Wizard of the um, Hogwarts Legacy Twitter page was blowing up because they were announcing all the voice actors from the major characters in the game. So none other do we know the headmaster now for Hogwarts is none other than Phineas Nigelis Black, Sirius Black's great great grandfather. And if you read Order of the Phoenix or even seen the film, he appears in both. He's only in one scene in the, in the film, but in the book, he actually has voice dialogue and voice lines. Um, or, sorry, dialogue in the book. Might I? Let me just put that out. Because um, he, he constantly, like, nags to Harry and Dumbledore in the book, and it's hilarious. But he was also deemed the worst hogwarts headmaster of all time and we're going to school during that his reign (laughs) and he's the last slytherin headmaster for generations until snape which kind of says something just saying (laughs) and then uh we got uh we find out the headmistress is a weasley so it's going to be ron's great great grandmother or great-great-great-grandmother. Yeah. That great-great-great-great-grandmother. And more than one. More than one great. Yeah, more than one great. Yeah. And on top of that, one of your companion students is being voiced by none other than a, 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 a actor from the films who played Lee Jordan the character Lee Jordan in the films is coming back into the Wizarding World community and voicing, I think he's going to be the Ravenclaw student that is one of your companions in the game. Not Ravenclaw. Um, maybe Ravenclaw? So the Ravenclaw or Slytherin? One of the two. But he's going to voice a character in the game when he are, is already a character in the films. So I, I just had to put that out cool. there. I'm I'm super pumped. The game's literally a month away for next gen consoles and PC. I cannot wait. I oh, need yeah. that game. I need I need it. But anyway, back. Uh, so going on to our t- today's topic, um, we are going to go over the Basilisk, which everybody should know from Chamber of Secrets, the books and the film, and even the Chamber of Secrets game. Um, I hated that boss fight. It was terrible. In the game, it's no, no fun. It's worse on Game Boy. I played the Game Boy Advance version of uh, Chamber of Secrets. It sucked. 
But uh, to kick things off, uh, so we have the basilisk. Obviously, it was a giant serpent, uh, also known as the king of serpents. It was a magical beast that was usually bred by dark wizards. Uh, Herpo the Fool was the first to breed the basilisk. Herpo accomplishes by hatching a chicken egg beneath a toad, which resulted in a creature known as the basilisk. Um, should we warn Neville? Like, because he has a toad? It's like, hey, don't let your toad sit on a chicken egg. Bad things will happen. <laughs> yeah, you, you yeah. don't. Um... So, basilisk breeding was banned in the medieval times, a regulation that was not changed. Go figure. Uh, the practice could be hidden from the Department of Regulation of Controlled Magical Creatures, came to check by simply removing the, an egg from the toad. So, they just plucked the egg under from under the toad, because the toad's not going to do anything. Because it's not, you know, it's not its own egg. It's not like a chicken where going after its egg is like it's a territorial thing. Hmm. And then looking at a basilisk directly uh, in the eye caused instant death, but an indirect look would merely render the victim petrified. It was also the mortal enemy of spiders. Spider refused to speak the name of the basilisk and could intuitively sense its presence and would flee whenever they sensed them. Which we kind of... we straight up see that in the film and the books that all the students who were petrified were from indirectly eyeing the basilisk and then obviously spiders fleeing from it because we got that weird spider scene so um the basilisk had a classification of five x's which is a big it's a no-no creature so just no um, meaning it was a known wizard killer and couldn't be dis- uh, domesticated due to the immense powers. However, since the basilisk was still a serpent, a possible mouth could communicate with it and potentially place the creature under their influence. Which we see because Salazar Slytherin has done that and as well as Tom Riddle. And this uh, obedience depended on the relationship between the basilisk and the possible mouth. Tom Riddle was the only one who could could command Salazar Silurin's basilisk, while Harry Potter had no control over her, as he was warned. So, yeah, which we all get, we get all that in the films, uh, except for the like the classification of the basilisk that is in the physical book of um, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them with all these beasts uh, classifications. It's the one of the very first pages. Yeah, five X's. D- don't go near it. Aragog is actually five X's as well. <laughs> don't go near Aragog. Or, or any of his species. So giant spiders is a big no-no too. I just... I'm not a fan of spiders. I don't know many people <laughs> yeah. who are. Like, I have a healthy respect for them. I work... With, I used to work in a pet store and I've um, handled a lot of tarantulas and... I I don't enjoy it. I have a healthy respect for them, and I will clean their cage, and I will feed them, but I don't care to hold them, and I really, really, really don't like relocating them from enclosure to enclosure. It is nerve-wracking. I don't have the stomach for it, and, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, that's just a no for me. Like, I'm not even going to go near a tarantula. Yeah. Hell no. 
no. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, small spiders are one thing. It's like, ah, it's fine. Tarantulas, anything that's like the size of the palm of my hand, no thank you. Bye. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm walking the I'm other like. way. So I have a real-life basilisk. His name is Thane. And I, he's a legless lizard because that's what mm. the that is what the basilisk is in at least in the films, definitely because yeah. he has a lizard he has a lizard yeah. face and ear holes or she, and um they called them glass lizards because they're supposed to turn you into glass when they stare at you. Oh, got it. Okay, interesting. Yeah, mine is considerably smaller though than I the one that we see so. <laughs> I would hope so <laughs> in the film do you have like yeah. a giant plumbing to where it can like hide <laughs> listen if he came out of the toilet I would scream I would hope yeah oh yeah so um so for the physical appearance of the basilisk the basilisk could grow up to 50 feet in length or dark green or a color of a lighter green underbelly uh, they also possess rows of incredibly sharp poisonous fangs and yard, large yellow eyes. These eyes hold the power to instantly kill anyone who looked into them. Yeah, uh, 50 feet. No, thank you. I'm good. I, I know. <laughs> uh, like, that's 50 feet too much. Ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Basilisk skin were armored, that much like a dragon's, which deflected spells cast upon them. For example, sp- stunning spells would have no effect on the deadly beast. The basilisk shed its skin at uh, intervals like other snakes when it grew. Yeah, so not only are, are dragons classified as five X's um, in the Fantastic Beasts, um, because, you know, you have to have well over a dozen wizards just to subdue a dragon. It seems like the basilisk is going to be the same issue, but it's going to be far worse because one, it's going to have a lot more movability. Two, just by looking at it, you'll die. Dragons don't have that. They just breathe fire, which you can at least deflect. Yeah, no thank you. Even more no thank yous. Uh, so now we have the ecology. Uh, Maslis could live a natural life for at least 900 years. Like, what? Uh, though Salazar Slytherin's Maslis uh, lived for approximately 1,000 years because, you know, he was at Hogwarts for at least 1,000 years after he left the castle. Uh, this was accomplished by using his... Parcel tongue to put the creature into a deep sleep that prevented it from aging, similar to suspended animation. Oh, well, nifty. Apparently, parcel tongues have the ability to put serpents into deep sleep and stasis. That's not terrifying. Uh, their mortal weakness was the crowing of a rooster. Uh, Basilisk fed off the. Uh, vertebrae animal off of vertebrae animals but it also is unknown if they ate one ate at one time the i can't talk today the serpent of slytherin survived on rats so that giant thing only survived on rats hey they could be really big rats you ever seen the rats in new york city (laughs) Fair now po- imagine, yeah. fair point. imagine magical New York City rats. They'd be huge. 
I'm, mm, ugh. Uh, no, no, thank you. That's a God. Why is that another note? Is... God. Yeah. Uh, the male could be distinguished from the female from a single scarlet plume on its head. So the male had a scarlet plume kind of basically like a rooster because I mean, it comes from a chicken. So the males had plumes just like roosters have plumes and the females don't. And yet their weakness is roosters. The crow of a rooster. Yep. Yeah. And then a basilisk egg was the egg of said creature. They were chicken eggs hatched beneath a toad, thus creating the deadly king of serpents. Yeah. Interesting. So it comes from a rooster or chicken's egg, which is from a rooster and a chicken. Yet its mortal enemy and weakness is the cr- uh, the crow of a rooster. And we've come full circle. Okay. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Pretty yeah, yeah. So now we get to the basilisk abilities. So we have the deadly gaze. Uh, when a live victim uh, looked directly into the basilisk's eyes, it resulted in instant death, making it even more dangerous than the acromantula, uh, which is Aragod's species of creature. Although looking at the eyes through the camera lens or a ghost's transparent body would dampen the lethal effects, looking though the pair of glasses did not offer the same protection because glasses still allowed one's line of vision to connect directly and clearly with the serpent's eyes. So, yeah, and with this next point, um, Myrtle Warren, which was the unfortunate person, uh, all as her wearing glasses did not save her from the death of when she looked directly into the serpent of Slytherin's eyes. So that makes sense how, like, you know, Moni Myrtle died, still was still wearing glasses, compared to Hermione had the mirror, which, you know, you still see the eyes, but it's not coming from your... You're seeing the reflection of said eyes. Um, the Hufflepuff, uh, I cannot remember his name on the top of my head, got petrified because he saw through nearly headless neck. Um, Colin Creevy was through his, gla- uh, through his uh, lens, camera lens, which also does more of a reflection. And then there was um, Percy's Weasley's girlfriend got petrified in the books. And I forget how. I think it was maybe water or something like that. And you had Mrs. Norris also with water. So it's all reflections. Not like directly visual, straight on vision. And then uh, ghosts could look directly into the serpent's eyes without suffering death as the dead could not couldn't die again however they would suffer petrification should a camera be reflected onto the serpent's eyes the lens in the film would be melted a phoenix was immune to the basilisk i gaze whether directly or not as the bird is immortal hence how fox was able to attack the uh, basilisk in the films in the book makes sense yeah. and if the basilisk eyes were damaged thus rendering it blind it took away the lethal ability as well, which we also see in the films and the books. Hence how Sir Harry's not dead. Because he would have straight up died. 
he just lucked out. Like, I mean, let's be honest. All of Harry's heroism is all based on luck up until, like, Order of the Phoenix. Is literally all luck. Did I hear a cat? Yeah, that's my cat. Okay. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, am I, like, hearing a cat somewhere? Because I don't have one. So, uh, now we have petrification. When a victim looked indirectly at the basilisk's eyes, such as as its reflection, they would n- merely become petrified, similar to stare of a gorgon, uh, which in the case of Hermione Granger, Penelope Clearwater, Justin Finch Fleshy, Colin Creevy, Nearly Had the Snake, and Filch's Cat, Mrs. Norris, and Myrtle Warren, commonly known as Mor- Moni Myrtle, uh, was not fortunate and looked directly into the basilisk's eyes, which resulted in her immediate death, which we've seen. What uh, surviving the basilisk is was seeing it through another object. An example mentioned above was Colin Creevy saw it through his camera, resulting in the petrification and his camera lens becoming melted. Justin Justin Flinch Fetchley saw the basilisk through the transparent ghost uh, nearly headless Nick and was petrified. The already deceased Sir Nicholas became petrified as well, although he did not look at this beast's eyes directly. Hermione Granger was petrified while gathering information on the basilisk. She discovered the monster in the Chamber of Secrets and uh, that the serpent traveled through the pipes in the school. Hermione was petrified after seeing the basilisk's eyes in a hand mirror. And then uh, Professor... Gosh, words... Petrification seemed quite powerful as the legendary Albus Dumbledore concluded that the only way to reverse the effect was the use of the mandrake restorative drought. Spiders were terrified of basilisks, described them as their enemy, and fled before them. Spiders such as acromantulas uh, also referred, refused to even speak and mention his name. Rubus Hagrid asked Aragorn many times to name the monster, but Aragorn refused to say its name or even speak of her. Which, you know, we also see. We see a lot of this in the film. Because, I mean, it's the only time we see a basilisk in the entire series is in the book in the films of Chamber of Secrets. So, and then we get a little information more in the Fantastic Beast books that was published based on Newt. Um, now, I want to know, how in the heck did Newt's commander find all this info? I want to see that. <laughs> and, study. I, I guess. And I know we're getting Hogwarts, le- uh, Hogwarts Legacy here in the next month. I hardly doubt we'll go to the Chamber of Secrets. Just saying. It's highly unlikely we'll see a basilisk. That's probably the one magical creature we will not see. Hmm. And then last but not least, we have the Basilisk Venom. Though through its eyes, gaze alone could potentially kill its victims, Basilisk Venom was extremely poisonous, substance that could only be known as an antidote, Phoenix Tears. Uh, Basilisk Venom was so powerful that it could kill a person within minutes, making the poison drowsy and blurry vision before they died. It was a very long-lasting effect, which would remain potent even up to five years or more after the snake had died. It was wow. a, right, like even after, like you know, the 
the skeleton, like we see this in Deathly Hollows, the skeleton, the basilisk, like the skin and organs and everything are decayed, and it's just the skeleton left. Yet the fangs of the basilisk are still potent enough to destroy Horcruxes. And the thing's been dead for five years. Uh, it could also damage inanimate objects through the. Uh, thoroughly and were impossible to restore unless was one of the substances power enough to store a horcrux as i just said uh and when harry potter slew the serpent of slytherin with the sword of gryffindor in 1992 um the sword became imbued with the basilisk venom giving it the ability to destroy a horcrux however the venom was not poisonous simply by touching it when ron weasley extended a basilisk fang from his bare hands in the chamber he did not die so it would actually have to strike into the bloodstream which how most how that's how venom works like you can and this is full fact you can drink venom and not die and but if you inject venom into your blood you will die compare unless obviously unless you have like some cuts in your like organs or whatnot to where it seeps into your bloodstream then yeah the venom will kill you if you drink it um vice versa with poison poison you can inject and most times it won't kill you but poison typically has to be ingested because it shuts down your organs then rather than doing anything with your blood fun facts Mm -hmm. it does drive me a little bit nuts that the uh, basilisk is called poisonous even within canon because it's not poisonous it's venomous venomous. completely different (laughs) there's a completely different term and different source for that yeah yeah but um and then funny enough my legless lizard is not in fact venomous at all all he does is flail with his mouth open and he's blunt force <laughs> trauma he eats cat food out of a can oh my gosh he, eat, he oh. eats cat food out of a can that's yeah, interesting disgusting huh well at least the good to know good to know fun fact Real-life basilisks are not venomous or poisonous. Just angry. <laughs> Just angry. <laughs> <laughs> but on that note, uh, let's go to our mid-break and thank everybody who supports the show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And welcome to the mid-break of the Wizarding World, where we talk about the podcast, but has nothing to do with the lore of the Wizarding World or Harry Potter. Uh, I just want to thank everybody who supports and listens to the show. If you want to support us, you can always leave us a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating on Spotify. If you leave a review with five stars and words on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it out loud on the next time on the show. Uh, I don't have any reviews for this week, um, 
But if you also want to support us financially, we do have a Patreon at patreon.com slash wizardingworldlorecast to where you can get ad-free episodes and even have the chance to come on the show once a month and talk about anything in the Wizarding World um, or anything to do with Harry Potter. If you come on next month and you get Hogwarts Legacy, just join the Patreon. We will talk about an entire episode about Hogwarts Legacy. And I will make sure there'll be a spoiler warning well in advance because that's all I'm going to be playing once that game drops. I'm I'm, I'm going to know life myself. Uh-huh. I'm going to have no life when that game drops. It's nothing all I'm going to do. So, but um, with that, that's pretty much all I got for the mid break today. So let's get back more into Basilisks. Now that we're back. So now we have Basilisk within the Wizarding World. So this is kind of stuff, a lot of this stuff we actually don't see in the films or the books. This is like mainly from like back when Pottermore was still a thing before the change into Wizarding World and uh, with the Fantastic Beast book. So the Dark Wizard, her brother Fool, while in ancient Greece, he was the first to breed a basilisk. He accomplished this by hatching a chicken egg beneath a toad and resulted in the creature known as a basilisk. Herpa was able to control the basilisk due to the fact he was a possum mouth and therefore could speak snake language. So the guy who first created it, and probably didn't know what he was doing at the time, was also a possum tongue. Convenient? I think not. And then basilisk breeding was then banned in medieval times. The British Ministry of Magic has said that all chicken coops in the wizarding world were subject to police inspect- <laughs> inspection in order to thwart basilisk breeding. However, the ban was quite easy to evade by simply removing the egg from underneath a toad whenever the Department of Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures came to check. So that, that that's just hysterical, though. You have a chicken coop? All right, you're going to have uh, monthly inspections. There better not be any toads. Right. You're going to get, you're gonna get run up. You're going to get run downtown. We're going to interrogate you about your chicken habits. Right. It's like, that's <laughs> God. Um, a more natural and effective limit on breeding was the simple fact that the creatures were uncontrollable except by possum mouse, and therefore every bit of dangerous to dark wizards as to other wizards and muggles. For this region, the serpents remained uh, mercifully rare. In fact, until the incident in 1943, described below, there had been no confirmed reports of basilisks in Britain since the 16th century. So, I mean, let alone, I mean, Possil mouths and possil tongue in general is super rare. It would make sense the basilisk would be super rare as well. And then Salazar Zotherin was responsible for the construction of the Chamber of Secrets beneath Hogwarts dungeons. It was specifically created for the purpose of purging the school of Muggle-born students. The chamber contained a basilisk, which controlled only by its own true heir, and was used to rid the school of all those considered unworthy to study magic. In 1943, when the heir Tom Morvolo Riddle opened the chamber, he used the basilisk to attack Muggle-borns. So, which we do see in Chamber of Secrets in the book and the film, where we see the past and how, you know, that's how Moni Myrtle died. 
And the Basilisk actually killed one of the girls named Myrtle Warren. In 1993, Riddle opened the chamber again, though it was use of one of his own seven horcruxes. Using the bit of his soul encompassed by the diary, he took partial control of Jenny Weasley. Uh, while she was not entirely aware of it, he forced her to do his bidding, which included writing frightening messages on the walls and strangling the school's roosters. Oh, I did not know that. Uh, during the second opening of the chamber, numerous Muggleborns were petrified. They were petrified due to the catching a glimpse of the Basilisk's reflection. That, I didn't know she killed all the, uh, she strangled all the roosters. That kind of makes sense how, like, there's no roosters. Huh. And then Riddle's ultimate goal was to lure Harry Potter in the chamber and kill him. Harry Potter ultimately slayed Slytherin's Basilisk by stabbing at her through the roof of the mouth with the Sword of Gryffindor. The sword came front out of the sword and hat, which magically appeared in front of him. The hat that was originally delivered to him by Fox, Dumbledore's phoenix. The sword was then impregnated with uh, Basilisk Venom. That's an interesting use of words. Just saying. Oh. And then, according to Igor Kakarov, Alistair Moody had smashed apart a birthday present that he thought in paranoia was cleverly disguised as Bassless Egg before finding out it was a mere carriage clock. Oh, Moody. Him and his, uh, paranoia ways. <laughs> and the skeleton of the Slytherin's Bassless laid within the chamber before today and was over 20 feet long during the opening of the stages of the Battle of Hogwarts. Hermione Granger and Ron Weasley went down into the chamber and fetched the Bassless Fang in order to get rid of Voldemort's remaining Horcruxes. They had to resort to the Fang after losing their earlier means of destroying Horcruxes. Yeah. Fun times. Giant snakes. And then, now we have the etymology. So, in ancient Greece, Basilus means king, or Basil means king, with a suffix is. Iskolos, meaning uh, being a demissive, the whole having sense of princeling or like, purposely for the crown like white spot on the head. So, thanks to ancient Greece, I mean, which makes sense because the Dark Wizard who, you know, cr like created and founded the first like basilisk was in ancient Greece. So, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I mean, the, the name itself being Greek. And then last but not least, we have behind the scenes. So th this this is funny stuff. Uh, the basilisk is often confused uh, with the cockatrice, but the basilisk is born that of a chicken's egg hatched beneath a toad, while the cockatrice is hatched by a chicken's egg incubated by a serpent. So there's that. It's instead of a toad, it's a serpent that is hatching a chicken's egg. Uh, the cockatrice is also usually dictated with wings, while the basilisk is not. Due to this, it can be assumed that J.K. Rowling either had the two confused or decided to combine the two. A cockatrice is the product of an egg laid by a male chicken. I'm not going to use the actual real term for that. Um, and incubated by a toad or a snake can kill 
look by looking at a person, touching them, or sometimes breathing on them, and was slain instantly by a rooster's crow. So, and that's in, like, standard mythology. A cockatrice is... So, by my namesake, I'm a big fan of The Witcher. In The Witcher, there is the basilisks, and there's cockatrice. They're, they're both in there, but they're both basically the same. Uh, one's venomous, the other one is uh, not. But if you, but one can like look at you and like put you to stone or whatnot, which is typically the cockatrice. But they're both basically look the same because they are created by almost the same means. That's just in that's just in most mythologies too. But in Harry Potter, one's a serpent, one's the traditional one within mythology. But but it's made differently. It's weird. And the yeah, it, it does seem like J.K. just had her stuff um, mixed up. That and or you know just like oh this looks cool I'm going to use this but I'm going to change it up slightly. Just enough to where it's slim, similar to actual mythology, but changed enough just for her world. Which I could see. I mean, that's what a lot of people do. Like, hey, we're going to take this from mythology. We're just going to tweak it a little bit. I mean, the MCU does it literally on a regular basis. That's, that's just Marvel. In DC. Most fandoms. It's like, here, here's something from mythology. Yeah, let's tweak it a little bit and make it our own. But we'll still keep it historical or mythological accurate percy jackson for another one that's another one that's uh although the average basilisk is said to have an average lifespan of 900 salazar slytherins lived approximately a thousand being since slytherin built the chamber of secrets around that time um in lego harry potter years one through four the basilisk is a male because it had a red plume on its head so the Warner Brothers team that made Lego, Harry Potter, said, yeah, you screw it. We're going to have a plume on this one because why not? And it looks cooler because Lego. That's that's probably why. Oh. And then Newt Scamander uh, slated in his 52nd edition of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them that there have been no record sightings of the Basilisk in Britain for the last 400 years. And then Harry... Pr- Harry Potter wrote in the copy of the book, that's what you think, end quote. Yeah. Um, Well, that was... So, if you get a copy of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them Now, they actually... It's just a straight-up book that tells you all all this info of all these beasts. If you got the first printing of the book when it came out in, like, the early to mid-2000s for the first edition of the Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them book... It will actually um, will uh, have all the writings from Harry and Ron, and like tell you, hey, this is what Ooh. happened, or it's like, no, this is a complete lie. These things are even way more dangerous than they should be. <clears throat> and then um, wearing glasses wouldn't protect you from the effect of a basilisk stare because the glasses are line of sight. We've talked about that. Um, has been theorized the spiders could fear the basilisk because the interactoids or er, er, uh, interactids could 
see nearly 360 degrees around them and cannot shut their eyes, leaving them extremely vulnerable to the monster's killing gaze. However, this theory does not explain why often other species, such as frogs and dragonflies, are similarly described as fearing the basilisk since their vision are near 360 degrees. And then in the film adaptation of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Harry watches the basilisk from the shadow on the floor, which wouldn't petrify him because he's not looking at the eyes. Uh, it is unknown why there are male and female basilisks, as they pr- are produced by a chicken's egg hatched by a toad. However, it is possible for a basilisk to be capable of reproduction, as Moody had a present that he thought there was a well-distinguished basilisk egg, suggesting that basilisks can lay eggs. I mean, they're serpents. Typically, all, all, all most serpents can lay eggs. And most reptiles uh, can actually change their gender at will depending on survival needs, which are a th- which is a thing in frogs. Jurassic Park, for a good example. Some reptiles can also do what's called parthenogenesis, which is spontaneous, basically cloning of themselves using their own genetic material. Um, there's a species of dwarf geckos, They're called morning geckos. All of them are female. And they lay eggs and hatch genetic clones of themselves that are 100% genetically similar to the mother. I did not know that, and that's kind of cool. And also kind of terrifying that there's a creature that can straight up clone themselves. A lot of reptiles can, actually. Um, Parthenogenesis happens in crested geckos. It's happened a few times with ball pythons, reticulated pythons, boa constrictors. Um, And then, funny enough, like, boa constrictors are live bearers. They give birth to live babies. Oh, that I did not know. Rattlesnakes, too. Rattlesnakes are live bearers. Huh. The more you know. And then in Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, uh, Harry's battle with the Basilisk was considered parallels to the tales of Edda concerning uh, Thor's battle with Jotun... Oh, God. Jotungard at Ragnarok from the significance of the beast released and the retributive poison it unleashed on him in his death's t- throes. So, if you ever know Ragnarok, Thor... Jordan Guard is the world serpent. He's the serpent that can go travel around the world and whatnot. In Ragnarok, he Thor fought it and uh, Thor beat it, but sent it back in time. Why Thor died from its poison? It it's it's a Ragnarok is a crazy Norse story, like inland legend, and yeah, go play God of War Ragnarok. You'll know. Um, and despite written physical descriptions and imagery appears, Basilisk can grow horns like its distant American relative, the horned serpent, but seems to have shared the trait with the European horned serpents of mythology. Um, that's cool. They, well, we do see we see the Basilisk with horns in the film, I'm pretty sure. And then, um, quite ironically, the way of hatching a basilisk in the nest of a chicken is also fatal to a basilisk, as there is, an, is a rooster around, which there would be to the chickens used for the breeding. So, not only, yeah, you can 
try and breed a basilisk, but there's still going to be a rooster, and they die at a rooster's crow, which happens every day. And then, as described by Felony the Elder, basilisks don't get very large, the only the length of 12 fingers. However, in nature, snakes don't stop growing until they die, it, so it could explain why a basilisk, uh, which can live over 900 years, could get so huge. Which makes sense. I, I completely forget. Yeah, snakes don't stop growing, do they? That's a it's a phenomenon called indeterminate growth. So most reptile species are going to go through a rapid period of development for the first year to two years of their lifespan. After that, their growth dramatically slows down, but they grow constantly up until they die. So I have a friend who's got a 30 year old ball python who's six and a half feet long. Holy crap. Average oh. length for a ball python is about four foot. So she's a big girl. Mm-mm, 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 no, mm-mm. See, I'm not a huge fan of snakes, if no one's caught that on by the end of this episode. <laughs> um, in addition to a rooster's crow, the smell of a weasel is also unbearable and practically fatal to a basilisk in mythology. So, huh, that's funny, because my, uh, my Patronus is a weasel. Hmm. Could my... Patronus kill a basilisk. Hmm. And then in mythology, it is said that a basilisk can actually kill itself by looking at its own reflection. Which is hysterical. So wait a minute. If that's the case, then the basilisk should have died in the Chamber of Secrets. (laughs) There was water everywhere. But uh, that is all we have on Basilisk so far in the Wizarding World. And, uh, yeah. They're terrifying creatures and don't have one as a pet. Unless you're Shanko. Shanko can have one. He's a little unhinged, and it does remind me that I should probably throw another cup of cat food in his cage. (laughs) Well, good thing we had this episode. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, to end the show, uh, Shenko, I know, I mean, obviously you've been on, you helped me start the show and everything. Where can people find you now? Uh, Because I know you have another show. I have two other shows. I keep myself painfully busy at all times, as you know. Um, So you can find me either as one half of the MCU Lorecast, a show where we deep dive into the lore and stories of all the characters we so know and love from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and their comic book counterparts. You can also find me as the host of The Fight Space, which is one of the only female-led martial arts podcasts on the internet. I do that show with an array of guests. I recently interviewed Ross Levine, who is the Karate Combat Middleweight Champion. I interviewed Chad the Dad Myers, who's a very accomplished Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner and competitor. And I've been having a really great time with it and, and getting to know all of those stories and hear all of the experiences of people in the martial arts community. So if you're interested in either of those things, definitely check me out. That's either the MCU Lorecast or the Fight Space. Yeah, both shows are awesome. Um, I, I still need to listen to the fight space. I'm not a huge MMA or UFC or like any fighting stuff, but I might, I, I'll, pro- I'll try and get at least one episode in. And um, you can find 
both those shows, my show, my other show, Holocron History, on the Robots Radio Discord, we're all in there. We have our own um, Discord servers on the channel, and we can uh, you can also find us on the robotsradio.net, where it has a list of all of our shows, and plus other shows, such as like the Witcher Lorecast, um, Mass Effect, Elder Scrolls, um, heck, we even have Lord of the Rings that Tom does, and it is awesome. Go check those out. Go check Robots Radio. It's a great time, great fun. And I'm also on the Cups Podcast and More Discord with Holocron Histories and with my co-host Austin on there with his other shows, The Dragon Age, Assassin's Creed, and The Inheritance Page by Page. But um, all those, we're having a fun time. I mean, if you like anything nerdum or video games or pop culture, check both out. Check both Discord's channels out. They're great. Fun times. Fun people. But, um, do either of you have anything else to add? Courier? Uh, oh, that about sums it up. I learned a lot today from, <laughs> about bachelors. Yeah, just don't, just don't have a, yeah. don't, don't try it at home, kids. Don't take a chicken's egg and have a toad lay on it. That's all I say. Just don't do it. Yeah. Oh no! Oh no! Shank Shanko's doing something. <laughs> I think she. I think Shanko's getting a a basilisk for us to see. Oh no! Oh, Shanko had it. Oh, that's a basilisk. Oh what? Whoa. Okay, that's cool. I was not expecting. Is that what color is it? You're you're muted. Brown. He's brown. brown? Okay, it kind of looked gray. Okay, yeah. Um. So people, you can get your own basilisk. Just wear gloves, apparently. Um. But that's all we have for uh this episode of the Wizarding World Lorecast. We will check you out next week. And hopefully everybody has an awesome day, awesome week, awesome weekend. And remember, the wand chooses the witch or wizard. Thank you for listening to Wizarding World Warcast. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can follow us on Twitter at www.lorecast. And you can email us at wizardingworldlorecast at gmail.com.